Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You work for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. All right, what's up, America? Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. We're right here, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden in New York City. And the love, Gov, Essential Andy from the Essential Andy Cuomo podcast. Governor Andrew Cuomo has uh, had to respond to the bombshell report that came out today. Attorney General Letitia James says, yes, the love, Gov, did indeed harass multiple women in a sexual manner. That's right. Attorney General Letitia James spoke at the uh, press conference today, along with the former federal prosecutor that was a special uh, investigator on this, as well as the uh, other woman that was the, um, I'm forgetting her name, but I'll put it in the show notes if you want, who uh, discussed everything that went on. We've got some audio. This happened uh, less than an hour ago. It's the Tuesday edition of This is America, August 3rd. So I want you to hear Attorney General Letitia James at the press conference today breaking the news on the new report. Check this out. The independent investigation has concluded that Governor Andrew Cuomo sexually harassed multiple women and in doing so violated federal and state law. Specifically, the investigation found that Governor Andrew Cuomo sexually harassed current and former New York State employees by engaging in unwelcome and non-consensual touching and making numerous offensive comments of a suggestive and sexual nature that created a hostile work environment for women. The investigators independently corroborated and substantiated these facts through interviews and evidence, including contemporaneous notes and communications. This evidence will be made available to the public along with the report. So there you have it. Yes, the love gov essential and the essential Andy Cuomo, the governor of New York, did harass these people. Now, this is the chief law enforcement officer of the state of New York who reports to Andrew Cuomo, the governor. And she's investigating him and she comes up saying, yes, he did sexually harass these women and he did re- retaliate on some of the staff members that tried to uh, talk about this. Now, of course, Essential Andy is going to double down, but that wasn't all the attorney general had to say. I want you to hear a little bit more of what she had to say, because she says, over the course of the five-month investigation, and this is a quote from the press conference, the investigators spoke to 179 individuals, including complainants, current and former members of the executive chamber, state troopers, additional state employees, and others who interacted regularly with the governor. In addition, they reviewed more than 74,000 pieces of evidence, including documents, emails, texts, audio files, and pictures. These interviews and pieces of evidence reveal a deeply disturbing yet clear picture. Governor Cuomo sexually harassed current and former state employees in violation of both federal and state laws. 
The independent investigation found that Governor Cuomo sexually harassed multiple women, many of whom were young women, by engaging in unwanted groping, kissing, hugging, and by making inappropriate comments. Now, again, that's a quote from Letitia James, and I think we have the audio. Can we play that, Mr. Producer? All right, let's check this out. Cut two. Over the course of the five-month investigation, the investigators spoke to 179 individuals, including complainants, current and former members of the executive chamber, state troopers, additional state employees, and others who interacted regularly with the governor. In addition, they reviewed more than 74,000 pieces of evidence, including documents, emails, texts, audio files, and pictures. These interviews and pieces of evidence reveal a deeply disturbing yet clear picture. Governor Cuomo sexually harassed current and former state employees in violation of both federal and state laws. The independence investigation found that Governor Cuomo sexually harassed multiple women, many of whom were young women, by engaging in unwanted groping, kisses, hugging, and by making inappropriate comments. Even though you just heard me say it, it sounds so much more... uh sinister when she says it. Boy, I wouldn't want to be on the other side of a courtroom with this woman. She is uh, pretty aggressive. Look at how she's going after Trump. I mean, they, uh, they just haven't let up on the poor guy. But she continued and she said further that the governor and his senior team took these actions to retaliate against one former employee, at least one former employee, for coming forward with her story and her truth. And Governor Cuomo's administration fostered a toxic workplace that enabled harassment and created a hostile work environment where staffers did not feel comfortable coming forward with complaints about sexual harassment due to a climate of fear and given the power of dynamics. Wow. Now, there's a whole lot more. And there's other clips that I'm probably not going to bore you with. But uh, Ann Clark, the uh, Southern District of New York special investigator, was at the press conference as well. And she said that Cuomo drafted a letter. He shared the letter with the press, smearing Lindsey Boylan as a Republican funded by Trump supporters. It's, I find it remarkable that the press and Cuomo and all these people, this is about Cuomo and his illicit behavior with these young women. Somehow, everybody figures out a way to bring Trump into this. And I just find it remarkable. I listened to this live on NPR as I was driving into the studio. And I said to myself, man, this is really crazy. They were they went from Cuomo and Cuomo. And you got the NPR people that are beating on Cuomo because they say he's arrogant. He's this and he's that. And this is moments before he actually went live and gave his rebuttal. And yet they were like, you know, he was very Trumpian in many ways. He had the arrogance that President Trump uh, once displayed. And I thought, man, it's just amazing how they just create this standard for evil and they equate that. It becomes synonymous with Trump. And that's part of the problem with the media is that let evil be evil. And if you think Trump's evil, say that Trump's evil. But let's not replace evil with the word Trump or Trumpian. I mean, now, again, this is one more attack on the language and changing the vernacular so that you can make it benefit your narrative. And it's just wrong. And people need to catch on to that and make sure that they call it out each and every time, because otherwise you start to believe this stuff because you think, oh, my gosh, yo, look, you're, these are evil people, very Trumpian people. And it's not synonymous. But anyway, I just want a quick caveat on that. Now, I also wanted to put out there 
that Governor Cuomo, he steps into this and he comes out, you know, I don't have a great Andrew Cuomo impression, but he does step to the podium and he says, you know, and I'm going to paraphrase. I'm sorry if you feel like that. I'm sorry I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I'm old school. I'm Italian. I kiss. I hug. Yes, I give people an embrace. I'm old school, like my father, like my mother. And, and it was just, um, it just, uh, to me, it was very swarmy, right? It just didn't uh, sit right with me because I'm not even Italian. And I could tell you that's a part of our culture too, right? Lo Boricua, the Lo Hispano in general, Hispanics by and large, you know, we put on a little music, a little merengue, kering, kering, king, 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 you know, everybody's dancing, everybody's having a good time, comiendo arroz, comiendo habichuela, eating rice, eating beans. Everybody's having a grand old time. And nobody uh, equates being of ethnic culture somehow to being a sexual harasser. Now, again, that there's always that one drunk guy at the party, right? <laughs> but is essential Andy Cuomo that one drunk uncle, that one drunk grandpa? Is that him? Because you can't throw us all under the bus, right? I can't allow this to, to just go unchecked or he says, you know, this is how I am. He he stopped short of saying, look, I'm Italian. But he put it out there in many ways. Ciao Bella. He kept saying that. So when you look at everything that he said, and we're going to play some audio of what he said because we've got it lined up for you. But you look at that and it makes you think, because he's Italian, he gets a pass. Does that mean we're supposed to look at every Italian we know and expect them to be sexual harassers? Of course not. I think the fact that he would try and go there is... Um, wrong, right? I mean, it's, it's a very ballsy move, and it was a stupid move. And I hope that organizations like uh, Unico and other ones that represent Italian-Americans call them out. And, and we want to be really clear. You know, we may have supported you in the past because we think you're a good guy, and we support our, our shared Italian heritage, but we don't support the breaking of the law. And you just heard Letitia James say that her investigation concludes in this report that there were violations of state and federal law. But we're going to go straight to Andrew Cuomo saying... I didn't do it. I didn't touch anybody. Listen to this. I want you to know directly from me that I never touched anyone inappropriately or made inappropriate sexual advances. I am 63 years old. I have lived my entire adult life in public view. That is just not who I am. And that's not who I have ever been. Not who I am, not what I do, not me, you're wrong, it's not me, it's you. I'm sorry you feel that way, I'm sorry I got caught, I apologize. Anyway, Essential Andy has a little bit more. And this time, it's basically, look, I'm a grown man. I am the chief executive of a, of a major state, you know, one of the bigger states of a very large economy, New York. And guess what? Guess what? I'm going to use the judgment of someone that has had experience with someone in their own to a young woman that works for me. Being governor, of course, I'm going to use my good judgment and an attorney at that. I am going to use my and former attorney general of New York. All of that being said, I am going to use my best judgment to talk to some young woman about how her boyfriend treats her and this, that, and the other thing. Now, again, I understand what it's like to um, to have a 
daughter. He has two daughters. I have two daughters. And sometimes if you see something that's wrong, you may want to uh, ask a question of a friend of theirs or something. But I stop short on that stuff all the time because I realize, you know, that's just not my position. Now, if it's a little girl or something like that, but hey, where's your parents? Go over there. You, you look out for people, right? We have a neighborly duty and you want to give some generally soft and, and uh, good advice. But you know, things, I'm not the governor, right? <laughs> My daughter brings a friend over and I've ever done that. But if I were ever say, oh, do you have a boyfriend? Does he treat you well? Uh, I don't think I would say that. It sounds weird, I think, coming from me. But if they brought it up and said, oh, I have a boyfriend. Oh, I hope he's a good guy. Does he treat you good? Good. That's what matters. You know, I hope your parents like him. But this wasn't the case, right? This is the governor making small talk. He's the governor. They're working these late hours on these projects. And he's very demanding, apparently, in uh, this 165-page complaint describes uh, lots of things. But the, what I draw out of this comment here where he talks about his interaction with Charlotte Bennett, so he says he was trying to help, that, that you know she read into his comment wrongly. This is her fault, not his, folks. Her sexual harassment is because of, of her, not because of him doing anything wrong. After all, she's 20-something and he's 63 after all. Listen to this. I thought I had learned a lot about the issue from my family's experience. I thought I could help her work through a difficult time. I did ask her questions I don't normally ask people. I did ask her how she was doing and how she was feeling. And I did ask questions to try to see if she had positive support of dating relationships. I know too well the manifestations of sexual assault trauma and the damage that it can do in the aftermath. I was trying to make sure she was working her way through it the best she could. I thought I had learned enough and had enough personal experience to help her. But I was wrong. I have heard Charlotte and her lawyer, and I understand what they are saying. But they read into comments that I made and draw inferences that I never meant. They ascribe motives I never had. And simply put, they heard things that I just didn't say. Charlotte, I want you to know that I am truly and deeply sorry. I brought my personal experience into the workplace, and I shouldn't have done that. I was trying to help. Wow. I mean, if that wasn't enough, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. You listen to something like that, it makes you think. It may be believable if you're a sucker. If you're a sucker and you think, look, somebody's, listen, I got my hand in your pocket. It's on your wallet. Listen, I am not robbing you. I'm, but you don't have permission to touch me. Yes, no, no. But listen, I'm helping you out. You had a little dust on your wallet. I'm dusting it off. I'm looking out for you. Trust me. It's okay. Or the old saying, right? You know, the, the dog is peeing on the leg. And they're like, oh, yeah, your dog's peeing on my leg. No, no, no. The dog's not peeing on your leg. No, it's... It's just raining outside today. It's just a little sun shower. But it's really hot. It's coming out of the dock and it stinks. No, 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 no. Listen, no. Yeah, I am sorry. I apologize. I'm old school. I'm 63. I give hugs and kisses. Sorry, bro. No bueno. Not enough. It's not going to get you to where you got to go. I knew that we wouldn't let up on Cuomo and I'd stick with this story as long as it was around. And even when it wasn't around, I tried to find this might be it. And I think this is it. If he doesn't get impeached or step down, obviously he's not stepping down. He's like, nope, I didn't do it. I'm sorry. Take me to court. At first he said, wait till the attorney general's report comes out. You'll see. I did nothing wrong. And then what happened? The report comes out. Here's the report. 
And he's saying, well, let's kick the can a little bit further down the road because you know what? I am not going anywhere just yet. Well, let's wait to see what happens in court, right? Anyway, listen to um, this last one here because he says that this is all based on politics and bias. It's interwoven throughout every aspect of the situation. Today, we are living in a superheated, if not toxic, political environment. That shouldn't be lost on anyone. Politics and bias are interwoven throughout every aspect of this situation. One would be naive to think otherwise. And New Yorkers are not naive. I understand these dynamics. My father used to say, God rest his soul, that politics is an ugly business. As usual, he was right. But for my father and for me, it's worth it. Because despite it all, at the end of the day, we get good things done for people. And that is what really matters. And for those who are using this moment to score political points or seek publicity or personal gain, I say they actually discredit the legitimate sexual harassment victims that the law was designed to protect. Well, there you have it, right? Because politics is what drives everything. Now, listen, politics drives a ton of things. I mean, wasn't there a, a short while ago, 19 different uh, fake phony fraud accusers saying that Trump did this and Trump did that and there was a, a claims of inappropriate this and that? Yeah, there was. The difference is none of them could actually make these claims validly. Right. It didn't raise to the level of any state attorney general. Right now, I'm just looking at an alert that just came in. This is again, this stuff happened about two hours ago now. And what do we got? The Albany police is now saying that they are going to use the information in the attorney general's report to start a criminal probe into the matter. Now, if you're thinking, yeah, but Richard, they're doing a criminal probe into Trump as well. Good luck. Good luck. What crime did he do? There's not a line of women saying that he did. Well, yes, there is a line of women saying that. Yeah, guess what? Those women have been discredited and have discredited themselves. They've changed their own stories because there were so many holes in their stories. And we've seen that happen. We saw it happen with Kavanaugh. We've seen it happen with Trump. Yet it's not happening with Essential Andy. And likely because these women happen to all be former supporters of his that eventually said, you know what? I'm not down with this guy. Now, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I don't like Essential Andy and I don't want to see him as governor. But I don't want to see him tossed out onto the street just because of somebody making up lies about the guy. If this is false, then, hey, I pray he gets his day in court and he's innocent until proven guilty. But I will say this. It doesn't look good to right now, right? I think right now it looks like he doesn't get it. And it also looks like he's part of a club that doesn't like this stuff. You know, he's part of a club where people don't have any regard for tradition. They don't have any regard for culture. So he's saying, look, it's who I am. I'm, that's how I brought up. I'm different. My family, my mother, she makes great meatballs. I'm saying, no, it's not going to work. And the reason it's not going to work is because a lot of people in his camp, in his movement, the progressive left and the moderate left, uh, maybe not so much the moderates, but the progressive left definitely feels like, look, you shouldn't even look at women. They think that you shouldn't even call women women. They want to call them birthing people for goodness sake. So you know he's in a bad spot. 
They've taken this party so far left that now he's been left on the right looking like Trump. They're calling him Trumpian. Anyway, keep it locked right there because I want to talk about just that. There are now attacks on children coming by way of the Muppet Babies. The American Medical Association, I mentioned this last time, but I have an article on it I want to share with you, says that they're going to oppose putting sex on birth certificates. I mean, there's a crisis brewing in our country, in our culture, and it has to do with, uh, starts with our children, and it's affecting every last layer of the society. So don't move a muscle. We've got more to come on what's going on with Andy Cuomo. If there's an update, I'll bring it to you. Plus, there's some craziness from AOC, and I had a great conversation with a Cuban that I'm going to share with you. But don't move a muscle. Rich Valdez, this is America. This is America. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. This is America. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. And is this the crisis of the century? Our children are under attack. The culture is under attack. I mean, there's so much going on. It's like, what do we do? How do we do? When do we do it? And that's that for that music. <laughs> Talk about a smooth fade out. Thank you very much. Anyway, the point of what I want to talk about here is that the American Medical Association facing backlash over opposing putting sex on birth certificates. And we're going to get to the Muppet Baby stuff in a minute. But the American Medical Association is receiving criticism after its House of Delegates called for removing sex markers on birth certificates, with an advisory committee arguing that their inclusion perpetuates a view that sex is immutable. The measure was publicized by the Board of Trustees in June and previously proposed by the House of Delegates, which is the organization's policymaking entity. It caught renewed attention after WebMD tweeted about it over the weekend. And I mentioned that on the last show, but it was a drive-by. And now we're going to dig in a little bit. Backed by the American Medical Association, the AMA LBGTQ Advisory Committee, it favors removing sex on the public portion of the birth certificate and allows that it be visible, quote-unquote, for statistical use only. Fascinating. What other use would it have but not for the statistic of saying I'm a man or a woman? Now, I get what they're saying about counting these statistics, but they don't want it to count legally. Like, well, you're legally on your birth certificate. You're a man or a male or a female. Fascinating. The committee was worried that making a person's sex or marking a person's sex, excuse me, would encourage, quote unquote, marginalization and minoritization. Wow. Pause. Hold up. So you mean to tell me that somehow I am now considered in the minority if I identify as a male or a female because that is how I was born. My 15-year-old daughter, she always says, what be wrong? That's the, that's the slang term. That's, what, that's all I can go through my mind right now is what be wrong? What is the problem here? Are they for real? Yes, they're very for real. And when you think of how they got here, I once saw a whole documentary on this. 
there was a kid that grew up and he uh, as a kid he felt very confused and had a gender identity disorder or gender dysmorphia he felt like he needed to be a girl and at that time i guess this was the late 90s or the early 2000s he went to the doctor and they told him well you're suffering from mental illness and we're going to treat you as such and he didn't like that response and dedicated his whole life to becoming a doctor so that he could become a political doctor so that he could make his way into the APA, the American um, Psychological Association, if I'm getting that right. It might have been the American Psychiatric Association. I will double check. But either way, the gist of the story doesn't change because of the acronym. He gets it. He goes uh, to medical school in the Caribbean, becomes a doctor, does his residency, does this, transitions, becomes a woman. He's now a trans woman. He becomes the head of the uh, APA and has the change made to the DSM-5, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual. This is a very old story, but it's a true one. And I saw him do the interview, and he was saying how he did this to stand up for so many kids like him that were marginalized. And, and using this type of uh, terminology, the, the marginalization and minoritization, and it makes me think, how many people do you actually know? That wake up every morning and say, oh my gosh, I'm trapped in the wrong body. Now I do. I wake up in the morning. I'm like, man, I was supposed to look like Dwayne The Rock Johnson today, but I don't. All right. So what do I do? Go to my doctor now and be like, you know, doc, I identify as a WWE superstar. I also identify as about six foot five, but uh, I don't know. My body's not acting up. What can you give me? What are they going to do? Give me hormones to fix that? I don't think there's enough testosterone in the world that can make you six and a half feet tall, <laughs> right? When you're five, seven, I just don't think that's going to happen, but the point of all of it is that this is now becoming actual policy making. It's becoming a thing. And this, like I said, this was 20 years ago or 18, 15 years ago. Now it's mainstream, it's real, and it's happening right now. So where does that leave us? It leaves us in, you know, Dinesh D'Souza, he uh, hit me up the other day on Twitter. Uh, big shout out to Dinesh. He's doing so many great things. And he um, had this article on his Twitter and it said, the crisis of the decade. And the crisis of the decade, he was saying, was the immigration crisis. And it was alluding to the fact that there are now children in American custody that are being sexually assaulted. And I think that's just unconscionable. But it's a thing. And it makes you think there's a, a very perverse and pernicious problem that we're facing in America. When instead of a little boy saying, hey, look, I don't, I don't feel like a little boy. I feel like I'm a girl. Instead of saying, well, let's make you into a girl. And who cares about the consequences later? Instead of saying that, how about saying, hey, let's give this kid some testosterone. Let's make him into a boy. I mean, th that's not even a consideration. That would be an abomination. But instead, turn the boy into a girl. That's somehow the status quo nowadays. And it makes me think, where does this start and how does it happen? Is it a natural or occurring idea? Or is it something that we're being fed? And I'm looking at this article here. Fox News, but it was all over. I first read it uh, yesterday, in, and I saw the actual audio and video of this on Sunday, and I sent it to my kids because they have, uh, my ex-wife is remarried, they have a little brother, and I said, hey, watch out for this stuff. Muppet Baby's character cross-dresses becomes Gonzarella. So if you ever watched the Muppet Babies, I know I did. Gonzo, the one with the big nose, he, he's in this thing, I see the video, and and they, they find the shoe and they're like reenacting the Cinderella story. And they're like, where could it be? Who could it be? And then he puts a sad face on. And he says, well, guys, that's my shoe. And they go, why didn't you tell us, Gonzo? And he goes, I didn't think you would accept me. I'm Gonzarella. 
And they're like, oh, and it's like this big thing. And I think to myself, this is messed up. So check this out. Muppet Babies, a show that's aimed at four to seven-year-old children, is catching heat after one of its boy characters was presented as a princess. Vulture reported last week that Disney Jr. aired an episode in which Gonzo and the other characters were attending a royal ball. Although Gonzo wanted to wear a dress, two characters say that boys are supposed to wear night costumes. However, a fairy rat father grants Gonzo's wish to become a princess later in the show, and the Miss Piggy character tells Gonzo, We met the most amazing princess. That's not a good Miss Piggy, I guess. Uh, But then they ran away and they left behind a glass slipper. Piggy holds it up and says, you know, whose could this be, et cetera, et cetera. And there's a clip right here in this article. I'll I'll tweet this out so you guys can see it. If you want to follow on social media, Twitter, any of those things, at Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez. And it's just amazing to me that this happens. And then he says, everyone, there's something I need to tell you. And it's what I, the part that I saw. And I paraphrased it, and they have the quote here, so I'm not going to go into that again. But I just think it's just amazing that this is happening. Now, of course, you're going to find advocates and proponents of this that say, you know what, this is exactly what you need to do. We have to normalize this with children so that this bigotry can be gone and so that we don't have, you know, uh, rich Valdezes in the future that actually believe that if you're born a man, you should be a man, and if you're a woman, you should be a woman. You, sir, Mr. Valdez, are a bigot. I don't think I'm a bigot. I think that I come from a, an era and a time where things are what they are. And people are pushing pseudoscience as fact to make it seem like what God made as a boy or God made as a girl is not the case. And that's not something that any of us should accept because the minute that we start to alter reality to accommodate anybody's narrative, we are up the proverbial creek without a paddle. Anyway, Keep it locked right there. I want to get into a couple more things about this uh, conversation I had with my friends who are Cuban, and they run the small restaurant that I go to when I don't go to Wawa. If I go a little bit later in the day, I'll go to La Giraldia in Bogota, New Jersey, and they have an amazing uh, espresso machine. They make a tremendous cafe con leche there. And the um, the owners, a married couple, the husband, he tells me, uh, some very interesting things. So I want to get dig into that. And I also want to talk about a couple more things uh, on the Cuba front and on communism as a whole and some stuff that I got involved in in New Jersey as well. So don't move a muscle. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America. You're all right. What's up, America? Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. And I want to jump into this conversation that I had. It it led into a lot of different things because there was a few things that we discussed. And it really was a great conversation, in my opinion, because this guy had grown up in communism and knew it and was able to call out a lot of things that I could only call out for knowing and seeing. But he'd lived and lived there most of his life, or at least moved here when he was 26 years old. And I can say, wow, that's a long time, in my opinion, to be living in communism. But he says it's easy to be a communist when you're here in America, when you've got an air conditioner, when you've got everything you want, you've got free speech, it's all here. 
This is the easiest place in the country to be a, in the world, he said, to be a communist. And I thought that was remarkable. Really a very poignant statement. He's right. So when you have all these AOCs and all these people that are embracing all this socialism, the Bernie Sanders that, you know, uh, think that paving roads is the same as um, a government takeover of healthcare. Fascinating to think, yeah, you know what? You're right. It's so easy to be an armchair socialist. To embrace communism. And we were talking about Mark Levin's book, You Should Get a Copy, American Marxism. And I was saying that, you know, this Americanization of Marxism, the American Marxist is the one that's causing the majority of these problems today. And he said, oh, absolutely. And he said, the, the worst part is it's so easy to be one here in the United States. And I thought, man, you're right. And I want to get into the rest of our conversation in a minute, but I just wanted to kind of broach it a little bit so I don't forget, number one. Number two, to really pivot to AOC. Because AOC is pushing this lie that, you know, obviously she pushes a new lie every day that the GOP is changing elections that they don't like and that it, infrastructure and bipartisan isn't always for the public good. And we have all that audio. But the main one I want to play for you is the one where she's on Instagram Live Tuesday. And she says that Biden should defy the Supreme Court and extend eviction moratoriums just like they did with military strikes. And I thought, man, is her authoritarianism on display, right? The other day it was, excuse me, ma'am, your totalitarians are showing, right? Now, now she's just saying all out, you know, just you're the boss, you're Biden, you are king, the government rules, and you do what you want to do. There is no law and order. Defy law, defy order, and do what you want. And they're used to that. That's why they burn things down when they have their tantrums. But I don't think it's going to happen. I think Biden has a little bit more sense, and which is why they didn't allow Bernie Sanders to ever get into the uh, to that seat. And I think if she ever had presidential ambitions, although she's no Bernie Sanders, I mean, Bernie Sanders is like, hey, I'm, I'm here. Health care is right. And they're like, yeah, dude, you could sit there for, for 30 years in Senate and uh, nobody gives a damn. AOC, she gets a lot of play and she gets a lot of press and she's very popular. So I don't know if she's a real threat to Chuck Schumer or anybody else or even uh, a real contender for the president. But you never know. A lot of people are inspired by her story of growing up in Yorktown Heights and saying it was in the Bronx and going out there and doing what she's got to do. But I want you to hear AOC all out crazy, our least favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens, on Instagram Live telling Biden to just defy the Supreme Court and continue these eviction moratoriums. Check this out. So the message of the day is the White House needs to get his act together and extend the eviction moratorium. We do not want to hear the excuses about what will the court do, etc. The administration had no problem uh, with what their authorities were when they decided to authorize military strikes without congressional authorization and in informing Congress earlier this year. Um, there doesn't seem to be a lot of concern. And in fact, they're using and citing some of the same areas of law to extend some of the Trump era refugee border restrictions. So I'm sure they can find it in their authority to challenge the eviction moratorium expiring. I believe if it's not the CDC, maybe we can dig into our little executive action authority here. If it's, but we think that he can do it. I mean, the Speaker of the House, uh, Nancy Pelosi, has said that he can do it. So, really, I think this is coming down to political will. Is the administration willing to challenge it, or are we going to roll over and allow one in six renters in this country to be at risk of eviction? 
So she says, I'm sure they can find it in their authority to challenge the eviction moratorium that's expiring. I believe it's not the CDC. Maybe we can dig into our little executive action authority here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So listen, AOC. Number one. Uh, yeah. When, when Biden uses his little executive action stuff, this is basically on stuff that's rather inconsequential. I mean, I shouldn't say inconsequential, but when he says the federal government is going to put their focus on equity and we're going to treat African-Americans different than everybody else. Um, that has a consequence, but it's it has little teeth, these executive actions, right? A lot of it's just for the sake of, of propaganda. It's not something that's going to actually stop a landlord from being able to collect rent. But that's what happens. And now so landlords are supposed to lose their shirts, lose their homes, lose their investments, Families are supposed to break up because, I mean, that happens when you go broke. All because AOC says people should be able to live without rent. And and the problem I have is, look, AOC's heart may be in the right place. Maybe she wants to be the social worker of America. The problem is she's not allowed to give out everybody else's money and be in control of everyone else's property. Landlords have that name because they are the lord of their land. They're in charge of their stuff. And not AOC or anybody else could do that. But when you are a Marxist sympathizer, communist sympathizer, Marxist adherent, you believe that property is not for oneself, but for the collective greater good, the state. Now, I know that in Cuba, people can own their own homes and everything else is what gets taxed per se. You know, you can own your own home, but it's rare that people own their own cars and public transportation, and everything else. I mean, everything is public. Every market is government-run. Every Everything, every piece of industry, every section of, of their economy is the government's. That's AOC's dream, that everything belonged to the state, that Amazon belonged to the government, so that she's in charge now, by the stroke of a pen. And we can't just start abandoning that. The American dream is built on owning something, right? Buying a house, getting your own apartment, getting your own business. It's ownership that leads to something. It leads to the creation of wealth so that you can leave that privilege, whatever color you want to put on it, right? For me, we'll call it brown privilege. I want to leave my kids some brown privilege. I want to make a lot of money in this lifetime and leave it to them so they have an easier life and they can get more out of life when I'm gone. That's the American way. It's the American dream. It's true liberty. It's what lifts people out of poverty. And that's where we're at. That's what I was talking to with, uh, talking about with the gentleman from the restaurant. And I think it's so interesting because, you know, AOC complains and she says that we're changing elections that we don't like. Kind of like the way they changed the mail-in voting, right? Eliminating signature verification, calling voter ID racist. Sorry, hon. Democrats are the ones that have weakened elections to make it super easy to cheat. Some have even suggested that citizenship, which is, you know, something that you, we would expect that a United States citizen should have. They're saying it shouldn't even be required to vote in the United States. So if you're here visiting on vacation, feel free to vote for the next president. You know, you're here visiting the Statue of Liberty, vote for the next president. You're here for Universal Studios tour, vote for the next president. That's unreal. And when I talk to him about issues like that, about how AOC is, he agrees. He says, of course, it's again, it's easy to be a communist when you have air conditioning, when you live in America and you could do all this and say what you want. And it made all the sense in the world to me that the American Marxist is born because they like this idea 
albeit an untested one. And where it is tested, nobody knows. It's not as if, now at least Bernie, I love Moscow. I honeymooned in uh, Havana. Right? He, he put this to the test. AOC, she's not quite a Bill El Bobo de Blasio that helped the Sandinistas with their communism back in the days. So I can understand how she likes these theories, but she can't grasp them fully. But he went on to tell me so many things. And one of the things that he told me that was interesting, he said, look, they've painted the United States as the enemy of Cuba for so long. And Obama was the only one that actually, uh, you know, loosened those trade restrictions. And he said, we realized that the reason that that didn't happen before was because they were a bunch of sons of bitches. His words, not mine. And he was saying what Obama did was good because it allowed tourists to now flood Havana and other parts of the island where they allowed the tourism and tell the American story and the American dream. And I thought to myself, wow, that's interesting coming from him that, you know, I remember being very critical of Obama dealing with the Cuban regime. But looking at that story, I think to myself, if there was one benefit that came from it, and if that were it, then amen. I'm glad that more Cubans learned about the American dream that weren't kept in a silo with the Cuban communist regime, uh, keeping them without information. Because he said ultimately that their biggest fear is information. And that came about because I was explaining to him that when I was with Governor Chris Christie and afterwards, actually I had left the administration, I was appointed in 2017 to the um, D- New Jersey Department of State has a center for Hispanic policy research and development. And I was appointed by the governor to the advisory board. And it's for a two-year term. And you serve until, you know, they bring in the next group. And, you know, then the the incoming governor, then Governor Murphy would say, hey, thanks, but no thanks. We don't want to keep you on. We're bringing in our own people, which never happened. So, which means technically the last group that was in there, uh, we're still that advisory board. And we've been invited to a few Murphy events, and I don't know if many of us have had the chance to go. But the point of all it is, was they uh, the rest of the committee circulated a letter, and we sent it to the executive director of the center, uh, saying that we wanted to support Governor Murphy, and think of this, Rich Valdez saying he wants to support Governor Murphy. You know me, I'm a big critic of his. But he uh, signaled that he was supportive of the United States government, and so was Senator Menendez, in providing additional supports, whether it's through Guantanamo Bay or other uh, U.S. assets close enough to Cuba to try to give more Wi-Fi to the Cubans so that they weren't kept in the dark. And they could continue their quest for democracy, for liberty. And I thought, how could you not sign on to such a good cause as that? So I did. And I think it's been published in a couple of newspapers. And I'm really proud of the work that those men and women that are pushing that initiative to get Internet to not just Cuba, but I would say anywhere where you're trying to spread that message of liberty. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's do it. Let's do it a lot. We got to do it often. Because people need to hear the message of liberty so that they realize, you know what, this isn't as bad. And if I have to take a moment out of my podcast to give credit to Obama, even if it was a byproduct, a consequence, an unintended consequence of his chummy relationship with Raul Castro, I will. Because I think when done in the name of liberty, and although I don't think it was, but that's what ended up happening, it gives birth to... All these new Paul Revere's out there that are willing to say, you know, what, we're going to take back our country. And I'm talking about in Cuba, not let alone here. 
And there's so many faithful Cuban patriots that knew what communists uh, do and know what communism is and what it smells like and what it looks like. And they're calling it out here in the United States. And we need more of them because as we trend in that direction with American Marxists, with communist sympathizers like AOC and Bernie Sanders, we need those that know better to call them out. And this is why I always say, if you stand for nothing, you will fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. So don't sit there and do nothing. Do something. Take action. Be bold. Be courageous, like uh, James O'Keefe says. But just do it. And don't wait for perfection. Don't let uh, perfection become the enemy of the good. Just go for it. Because there's never been a time like now. And America needs you more now than she's ever needed you. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, America. I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register.